0: Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, John White, priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. This week we are focusing on the story of Simon Peter and his conversion amid a pile of fish on his boat in the Sea of Galilee. And looking at how we make the leap from belief to faith. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Genesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. And if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. If we look at this story from our Gospel reading today, the story of Simon and Jesus, it, it strikes me as being kind of a preposterous story. So let me put this in context. Simon and Jesus, at this point in the story, are friends. Simon is not signed up to be a disciple yet, and though James and John are also in the story, they're not disciples yet. At this point in the story, Jesus doesn't have any disciples. He's been baptized. He's gone into the wilderness and been tempted by Satan. He's begun a ministry of of walking around the Sea of Galilee, visiting the small villages, and preaching and healing. He's gone to his hometown in Nazareth, Where he basically told them, by the way, I'm the son of God. And they kind of got mad at him and tried to throw him off of a cliff. But somehow Jesus got away and so he's gone to Capernaum. Which is a small village on the Sea of Galilee. So just to kind of put it all in your mind. The Sea of Galilee is about the same size as Oneida Lake. It's not big. right? And So Jesus is basically wandering around this fairly small area. And people are coming from everywhere. And so somehow in Capernaum, that's where Peter lives. He's met Peter, probably in the synagogue. And so it's likely in this story that by this point, Peter saw Jesus heal the man who was possessed by many demons. And when the demons came out, they said, What do you want with us? We know who you are, the Holy One of God. Peter saw that. And then immediately after synagogue, they went to Peter's house where his mother was practically on her deathbed and Jesus healed her. And she got up and was able to resume her life. And people have been coming from all over to be healed by Jesus. Peter has seen this. And he's heard Jesus preach. And he's heard Jesus talk about the kingdom of God. He's seen all of that. And now we come to this story where Jesus is teaching on the side of the lake and he sees a couple of boats and he asks the fishermen who've been working all night, hey, can you guys row me out just a little bit? Which, who teaches from a boat? Right? I mean, if you're, like, it's like awkward to stand in a boat and it says they row him out and then he sits down and then he sits down to teach, which doesn't really make any sense at all because Because it's really hard to talk to a large crowd of people sitting down. It's really hard to project your voice. That's why we stand up when we sing. Because it's really hard to sing. You can't really use your diaphragm when you're sitting down. So Jesus rose out in a boat. He's making these poor fishermen take him in their boat after they've worked all night for nothing. They've caught nothing. And they're probably thinking, Oh, Jesus, give us a break, man. We've been working all night. We just want to go home and go to bed. But they're like, all right. So they take Jesus out, and he begins his teaching. And then when he's done, he says, hey, why don't you guys go fish over there? And Peter says, we've been working all night. There's, there's no fish to catch. We just want to go home. And Jesus is like, put your nets down right there. And Peter's like, all right, because it's you, I will. And so they bring up this huge catch a fish, and there are so many fish in the net that they, they don't have enough room in the boat, and they call to their partners, John and James, come help us, and they come out, and they fill their boat, and these boats, and these are big boats, right, so they found a couple of these sort of first century fishing boats, and they're like 20 feet long, and like 8 feet, you know, across, they're, they're good sized boats, we're talking a lot of fish, so many fish that these boats are starting to sink. And it's at this point that Jesus acknowledges, sorry, that Peter acknowledges Jesus as the Son of God. Not when he exercised the demon, not when he healed his mother-in-law, not when he healed the hundreds and thousands of people who were coming to the village, not when he heard Jesus preach or talk, but because of a bunch of fish. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to go fishing, and if I go fishing and someone says, hey, there's a really hot fishing spot over there, and I go and I catch a fish, my first thought is not, I wonder if that's the Son of God. (laughs) It's a huge imaginative leap. And... And it's, it's almost like we're, we're setting ourselves up for like, there's like a joke coming, but there's not. There's this Peter falling down at his knees and saying, Lord, go away from me. I'm, I'm not worthy to be with you. You are, you're holy. And I am so not holy. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, Simon, get up. We're going to go catch some people. And they left everything and they followed Jesus. They commit themselves to being disciples right here, right now, in this moment because of a bunch of fish. But when we step back from the story and some of the the first century particulars of Jesus' world and and, and Simon and what's going on, if we think about it in terms of our own lives, I think the story becomes a lot less preposterous. Because... All of us have encountered Jesus countless times, right? Even before maybe you were really ready to be a Christian, maybe uh, before you really committed yourselves, before you were confirmed or baptized or whatever, it's impossible to not encounter Jesus, especially in our culture. Jesus is everywhere. We see him all the time, whether we know it or not. We are constantly encountering Jesus. And so believing in Jesus, coming to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, is actually, I don't think that uncommon. I think lots of people accept that Jesus is holy, whether they, they come to church or not, whether they're, they're faithful Christians or not. Lots of people find Jesus to be a very compelling figure. There's just something about Jesus that grabs our attention in the same way it grabbed the attention of those people on the shore of Galilee 2,000 years ago. And so coming to believe in Jesus is is really the easiest step. But what happens to Peter here is he's converted. He comes to totally trust Jesus. right? Paul, remember, has a really dramatic conversion story. He's on the road to Damascus. He's, he's terrorizing the Christians. He's rounding them up to bring them back to be tried by the high priest. And on the way to Damascus to, to get these rascals, there's a blinding light and he can't see. And Jesus appears and speaks to him and says, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? And and Paul has this you know, great dramatic conversion story. Essentially the same thing happens to Peter except instead of a blinding light, it's a bunch of fish. But it's the same thing. That there is something in this miraculous catch. There's something unnatural in this natural event that makes Peter realize something that even though he knew it in his head, he hadn't felt it in his guts or in his heart. That Jesus... Jesus isn't just amazing. Jesus isn't just compelling. Jesus isn't just wise. Jesus is the embodiment of God. And as Peter is going to say later, once you realize that, where else can you go? What else can you do but follow Jesus? But for many of us in our faith journeys, getting to the point, the transition where we can move from belief to faith, to trust, that's a harder step to take. Because trusting in Jesus is, makes us feel vulnerable, makes us feel a little wary. It's, it's kind of risky. You know, Peter's got a good thing going here. He's got a business. He's got partners. He's clearly successful. He's catching the fish. And yet it says he gave it all up to follow Jesus, to commit himself wholly to Jesus's mission. That's a big step. And I think I look back on my own life and I know that, that was that was not an easy step to take. Right? That that I got I, I you know, I went to church and I got baptized and I confirmed and I'm like involved, I'm doing like everything. I'm an usher. They talked me into being in the youth group. I was a reader, I did the Eucharistic ministry. I mean, you know if there's a ministry at that church, boy, sign me up. But I wasn't really converted. I love religion. I wasn't quite so sure yet about Jesus. And, you know, I was reading when I went to seminary, you, you heard of John Wesley? He's, right, him and his brother, they invented Methodism, right? They, they're the founders of, of Methodism. And, and the story of John Wesley is that he, he was really kind of going through some struggles and some hard times. And he went to a, like, um, a Bible study in a place called Aldersgate, which is in England. And he, he went to this Bible study, and he didn't really want to go, but he showed up anyway. And they started reading, and they actually weren't even reading the Bible yet. They were reading Luther's commentary on the Bible. And Wesley describes that he had this experience that he never had before. He called it as though his heart were strangely warmed. That Jesus had moved out of his head into his heart, into his gut. And he felt a trust and a love that he had, he had never experienced before. But what I discovered is, is that when John Wesley had that experience, that conversion moment, he had been an ordained priest in the Church of England for 10 years This isn't something that happened to a college kid or someone in high school. This was a grown man who had committed his life to the church. And yet his moment of conversion came way after all of that. It's not unusual for us to balk at taking the step from belief to faith. But that's what Jesus invites us into, and at the heart of the story about the abundant fish, is that when we trust in Jesus, when we go the places that Jesus invites us, and do the things that Jesus asks us, we are going to experience abundant life. The fish are a metaphor for abundant life. That when we go where Jesus asks, and we do what Jesus says... The bounty of God's love and mercy pours over us. Okay, just a book. That when we are willing to risk, when we are willing to say, Yes, Jesus, I trust you. I believe that the promises you have made are for me. That I'm worthy of your love. I'm worthy of your mercy. I'm worthy of your grace. I want to give myself to your mission. I'm all in. That's the invitation that Jesus invites us with. To drop everything and to commit our whole lives to his mission. And his mission is the fulfillment of God's dream to restore the goodness of creation. And by living in that goodness as though it were present right here, right now, because it is, the goodness of creation is surrounding us all the time. Jesus tells us the kingdom of God is near. And that's what he means, that that goodness is present and available to each of us. And we are invited to ju- set aside the things that distract us from what we were created to be and to trust and go where Jesus asked us and to do the things he invites us into. And when we do that, we too will experience the abundance of God's grace and mercy. Amen.